Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Good morning, Shelly. How are you? I'm good, Serge. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited. Well, we met one of the most fascinating people when we were at HR Tech in Vegas. And I'm very pleased that we finally have an opportunity to bring Sarah on the show with us. I have the privilege of introducing Sarah Roadhorst. She is the CEO of Onwards HR. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Well, thank you so much, Shelley and Serge, for having me today. I'm going to jump right in. I'm always curious to know how people find their way into HR. Can you tell us a bit about Sarah's journey and how did you land in the HR field? So actually, to give you a little background, I started my career as a developer, if you can believe that. I do have a degree in psychology, so I pair technology and a psychology background but actually got my start as a software developer. It was very short-lived. I worked for a company called Connecture and did sales automations for the health insurance industry. So it was all benefits focused. Ended up with that organization for about 14 years. I'll just share kind of one story from that time because it's so relevant to what's happening today. But it was a startup out of the Georgia Tech Incubator, and we grew fast. We started out actually in e-health insurance, and at one point, they actually had a layoff where they laid off half of the company. Everyone was split into two separate rooms, and one room was asked to go home, and one room was asked to stay. The technology side stayed, and I stayed, but that whole experience really left its mark on me. Fast forward, how ended up going into HR, I really came from it on the tech side. With Connecture, we did a whole bunch with the state health insurance exchanges. We ended up being awarded three of those contracts. And at that point was hired by ADP. Basically, they came and made me an offer I couldn't refuse to help lead their ADP health compliance division. And we scaled that team from two to 250 employees in a very short amount of time. And then ended up going independent and just did a lot of consulting for companies that targeted or helped HR teams. And so my partner, Janice and I, we built the next generation of open enrollment platforms. That's actually how we got our start, ironically. And we ended up going in and selling that to our first customers. And they said, I love your platform. It's a wonderful platform, 
But the challenges we have are actually around severance and managing all the rules around that. Have you ever heard of a platform that does that? And after we got to talking, a lot of our technology, our know-how on calculations and documents that we had learned on the benefit side applied to severance and Onwards HR was born at that point. We ended up getting awarded the contract to build our severance automation platform that has now since expanded into offboarding. Well, let's dig in deeper into what exactly Onwards HR does. We mentioned before to start a show, we have a very recruitment focused audience, but this is very timely to what's going on in the industry right now with all the layoffs. So I'm really curious, what does your company do basically at Onwards HR? So Onwards HR is an offboarding platform that helps HR, legal, and finance teams ensure consistent, compliant, and supportive employee exits. But a large part of what our focus is and where it comes around in a recruiting world is that we help connect up that second half as far as the the employee life cycle. You have those that while they're employees, but then we also help create a positive exit experience because so many large organizations are focused on nurturing their alumni networks. Yeah. And that ends up being a large area that companies want to hire back employees that were with them formally. And so it's incredibly important to make sure that exit experience is positive, but also to gain insight into why people are leaving so that you can improve upon that and ultimately attract that talent back in. And to help me understand, is it a tool that outplacement agencies use? Is it a tool that companies use? How does this all tie in together? Think of us as that back office platform. Okay. Um, And we do all separations, not just layoffs. I know that's top of mind everyone right now, but we help with every exit, whether it's voluntary, whether it is termination for cause, a mutual separation when there's negotiated benefits or a layoff, like what we're talking about. So just to kind of preface that, what we do is we are a technology platform. So put that out there versus outplacement is more of a service. We integrate with HCM platforms to pull in data. And then we guide them through the process of understanding the reasons for the exit. We capture data from disparate sources, whether it's HCM, but it can also be from your employee relations platform, investigations. If there's any sticky situations, if there's a workers' comp case happening, we aggregate all of that information. And then we dynamically calculate severance pay and benefits. We would calculate based on their salary, their tenure, whatever factors they put into their severance policy, we would do that calculation and also determine which outplacement plan applies. So if you think about the world of doing a quote, (laughs) this is almost like you take data in, you perform a calculation, and then you also assign, based on the data, the appropriate plan that makes sense for them. We also assist with COBRA, all that calculation stuff. And then we dynamically generate all separation documentation. 
Okay. You have your separation agreement. You may have your separation notices that each of the state unemployment agencies need to provide to employees upon exit. We provide those, your outplacement brochures. And then we have an offboarding checklist that really makes that entire process very smooth and consistent to make sure every step is followed as part of that process. Now, where outplacement comes in is that we will ultimately send a list of those that are impacted to an outplacement agency. Um, And then outplacement will then work with those individuals to help them find their next position. Very interesting. I'm going to make an assumption that this is more for enterprise level companies. Correct me if I'm wrong. We do primarily focus on enterprise companies and midsize, and it depends on your definition of midsize. But we do have some that are in the 100 to 1,000 range that are experiencing these layoffs because they don't necessarily have the in-house expertise. And so they want help through the process to make sure they are following procedures as they should. We do view ourselves more of it as a compliance platform. We are assessing compliance with adverse impact. In the event that they have a selection criteria and they've identified those people that are ultimately going to be impacted, we will run analytics on that data set and those that were considered versus those stayed to make sure there's no protected population that has been adversely impacted. Hmm. Right now, there's a lot of discussions about layoffs. There's been layoffs at Amazon. Name the company. Basically, if it's in the tech sector right now, there's been a layoff. Do you foresee this year to be a really challenging year and advice for those companies that are potentially contemplating layoffs or changes in their staffing levels? It is a very active time right now, especially in the headlines. It's almost every single day there's a new announcement. What most people probably don't realize is that the percentages that we're seeing as far as employee exits, as well as involuntary attrition, is actually on par, like last year was not that off as in previous years. These exits happen all the time. But what we're seeing right now is the volume in January is considerably more active than even last year. But there is a very big focus on these mass layoffs versus kind of the general restructures that happen. And the trends that we're seeing, you know, tech is one that we're hearing that these companies have grown and all of a sudden, just because of the economy and where things are, their forecasts aren't pairing up with the growth that they've done internally, especially from a hiring side. And now they're saying that they're just going to have to course correct. But we're seeing other types of trends as part of the layoffs as well, is that it's not all entirely financially driven. There are also roles within an organization, especially in these larger companies, that they're just redefining their strategy going forward. And so they are focusing and they are still hiring. And this is where I think a lot of people are like, well, how can we have all these layoffs when there's so many open positions out there? What is this? It shouldn't be happening, but it's about the types of roles that companies are seeking. And some of the layoffs that we're seeing are more restructures as an organization, realigning as an organization, where they're focusing more on the newer technologies and maybe those that were more manual positions or skills that are just not as needed anymore are the ones that are being impacted by these layoffs. Which I know, Serge, you've said for years and always, we believe 
that one of the first roles outside of your marketing people is usually recruiters. However, you made a really great point that they are still actively hiring. So help me understand, maybe it's different in the US, but when I hear layoff, I immediately equate that to financial change. They're forecasting that they're not going to make the revenue versus a restructure means you're seriously taking a look at the fact that, hey, we don't need 73 recruiters. We only need 43. We hear the word layoff, but is it really? Because you brought up an excellent point. Well, they're all labeling this activity as layoffs. Yeah. Whether it is financially driven or whether it is a realignment of the corporate strategy, when you have a group separation, more than two, it ends up being a layoff. Now it's a mass layoff when it becomes sizable. You know, according to the Warren Act at a federal level, that's anything more than 50 employees. And that's when it ultimately gets into the headlines because they have to report that to the states, at least in the US. I know Canada may be different. So they're all being labeled this, but anytime you do a reduction in force, you have to have a business justification behind it. And that justification can vary. It can just be, we need to not spend as much money. And I think that's kind of what most people think of when they hear layoff is that they have a financial number so that the company can be profitable and move forward. However, there are organizations that restructure, reorganize frequently. And these organizations, a lot of times are more contract driven. So you may have an organization that has these big contracts, they hire up, they ramp up for these contracts, and then they lose that contract. And they have a new contract. So some of those people shuffle over to the new contract, but that entire organization will likely be impacted. But what happens, and this is where the internal recruiting happens, is that those people that are impacted end up being talent that internal recruiters will look to to Mm -hmm. be able to attract them to open positions internally. So then it ends up being more of a shuffling. So ultimately you have those that do exit, right? But then ideally that top tier is retained and just transferred to another role within the organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One company that's been extremely fascinating is Twitter. And the reason I'm bringing oh, yeah. Twitter is within six months, they reduced their workforce by 70%. Obviously, some of it was driven by layoffs. Some of it was kind of like, if you're not willing to be hardcore, leave now, yes. we'll give you a package. It's interesting to see because you see a company reduce their forces by 70%. And we still don't know if they're going to be successful or not. But mm-hmm. Twitter hasn't crashed, right? But where I'm going with it is the way they approached it, a lot of people saw it in a very negative light. But now some people are starting to turn around being like, possibly they're doing the right thing. In one way, it was a PR disaster. The other way could actually end up looking decent for Elon Musk. But I wanted your take on the best way to approach these types of massive changes in staff, like how should companies prepare for this? How should they go out in the market and announce it? I'd love to get your perspective on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it is a very delicate matter, 
right? Anytime you're talking about people's livelihoods, it needs to be given its time and effort put behind and have a strategy going forward. The best way is to really put a plan in place, right? And it's actually a webinar we're putting together here on how best to prepare, how to effectively communicate it as part of that process, and then how to recover from a layoff. And preparation is putting a plan in place, right? And making sure the organization is behind it. You have to understand what the business driver behind it is. It all starts with understanding kind of the end state in mind of where you want the organization to be. And then how do you line up all those steps in between in order to get there? In the instance of Twitter, part of what was so shocking is that it was so shocking. Yeah. Like it just seemed to come out of thin air and it just caught people off guard. It's not only those viewing from the outside, it caught obviously the people on the inside off guard, but I think it also caught their leadership off guard. Yeah, I think if you are going to approach a layoff, it is about getting the team behind it internally. You need that leadership support, and it may not be a big wide group that knows of it ahead of time, but that there is a plan in place. There is the communication strategy in place that you have checked all of the boxes from a compliance standpoint. The company was ultimately in the news because of potential warrant violations. And if you are going to do a layoff correctly, you would have checked for that ahead of time and mitigated it ahead of time. And warning is in place because it is requiring companies to be compassionate. It is requiring companies to give 60 days notice to employees before they are ultimately impacted or to give them the financial equivalent of that. And so the critiques that I would give is you just have to have a plan and you have to make sure that you're checking the compliance elements well in advance because one of the worst ways or the biggest ways that you can end up in the headlines is that you fall down either on compliance or that you make a mistake as part of that exit. They're recently in the news because people haven't received their agreements yet, which by the way, we could help with if they needed a way to automate. all. (laughs) So Elon, give Sarah a call, please. (laughs) Just saying, if you're struggling with all that paperwork, we can do it and actually under a day for you. It's about telling people what's happening And then following through on what you've offered them. And I think that's where they've fallen down in the news or people looking in hindsight. One of the things that he did is he ripped that Band-Aid off real fast. Yeah. Like it was all in. And now it's kind of in a recovery mode. One of the things that is hard that, that we've found is organizations that have layoffs every single month, right? Yeah. This month we're going to do a hundred and the next month, another hundred, and it keeps this trickling effect. And so what ends up happening in those instances, a lot of this is about the people that retain, they need to be productive. They need to be committed to the organization. And if they're always fearing that they are going to be losing their job, it just can't be a productive setting. For sure. Do you know, Sarah, I can think of examples of exactly that here in Canada and organizations where they have created this culture of fear. Mm -hmm. because you slowly see people trickle out the door and it's all done in secret. It's almost like the rapture. They're just gone, right? No chance to say goodbye, no chance to celebrate or thank them. It's usually those that have performed really well, but their name just came up on the spreadsheet. So tell us in your expert opinion, and I think you wrote a blog post about this as well, whether or not to give advance notice about terminations. 
I know here in Calgary, a major oil and gas company, they gave employees almost two years heads up. Yeah. And it was something close to torture because you knew that your position was going to eventually be eliminated and you either were paralyzed with fear or like you ran out the day you got the notice and I'm not going to wait for someone to drop the gallows on me. So can you talk a bit more about what's really the most humane thing to do? Well, at a start, just like when there's a voluntary exit, you really should at least give two weeks notice. But there's different options around notice that you can do. You can do a working notice. You can do a non-working notice. A working notice is that these individuals are expected to continue to perform their job between the time they were notified and the time that they are terminated. A non-working notice is basically they're notified and they're really asked to kind of take their things, but they do continue to get compensation. To your point, it is a tough conversation to notify them that their job is going away. going away. Yeah, They're Mm -hmm. not going to have a job in X number of days and then really expect them to continue to perform at that higher level. And so it's a balancing act and every situation is different. There are circumstances when for the business purposes, you don't necessarily want to give too far of advance notices because it can impact the organization. But we do recommend if you do have them exit in a capacity that there is is still compensation given to those individuals as part of yeah. that yeah. Um, notice, if that makes sense. Of course. The decisions made for the company, clearly. And I get that there's laws to be more compassionate, but I just can't imagine that two years heads up is good for anybody. Yes, they got paid very handsomely, right. but I think about the emotional toll and impact that would have on anyone mm. to know that you're asked to stay and work. And I've rarely seen it turn out well, is it better to have the experience that you had? Anybody that went to the room on the left stayed (laughs) to the room on the right, you're all gone. Yeah. It goes back to sometimes that band-aid, right? If you do it all at once, there's a benefit because then the company can restart on recovering. Yeah. Right away afterwards, they can have the conversation back with their employees, those that stay to say, it was a tough situation. It was hard to do. And we don't want to be in that situation again. But now we're focused on recovery. And the company building that trust with those employees by not having another layoff that next month and the month after that, there's pros and cons to all of it. Now, one of the reasons that you may give working notice is because It may be harder for people to do their job, but then they have time to find other employment because it's always easier to find new employment when you have a job than when you don't have a job. And so while it may be hard for those people, I do view it a little bit as a gift of, hey, we're giving you a heads up so that you can land elsewhere. There's also more compassionate approaches to layoffs, and it's not for every situation, but organizations can offer a voluntary layoff or a buyout package where people who are ready to move on in their careers or in their life, be it into retirement, companies can choose to put a severance package together for employees that they can choose to exit right? And the pros and cons from a business perspective is you're not selecting those that leave, right? It could be your top performers are moving on, but from a 
employee standpoint, it is giving them choice. And then if you still need to continue with exits, then you pair that with an involuntary layoff. And I feel like culturally organizations respond to that better because they feel like the company did what it could by giving people a choice. And now they still have to make a decision for those that remain. It's just better received. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In the age of TikTok, in the age of remote work, there's new challenges that have risen from this environment. And one of them is employees actually recording their terminations. There's a really good example of it last year with better.com. The CEO did a horrible job of it and no one would have ever known if it wasn't recorded, if it wasn't remote. How do companies adjust to this new reality? Because there's a good chance that they're getting recorded while they're doing these layoffs. Any advice there? Well, it goes back to planning and coordination because those messages are likely going to be shared. Companies, CEOs in particular, should just assume whatever they say will be recorded and shared. So once you go into it with that mindset, guess what? They put a lot more attention to it. Ever since that happened last year, every company that is going through this process is taking the time to script that message that the CEO says. And the message is not only an internal message, it is an external message as well. You're getting a lot of CEOs that are proactively commenting or issuing press releases to the effect of, we are doing this layoff or this downsizing. Here's the reason behind it. Some are taking ownership of it. It is something that is critically important to the success of that layoff. If I were to give a recommendation is assume, act as if you are going to be recorded and put on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or some other social media channel. And it ultimately will hold themselves more accountable to making sure that they're on point with those communications. Obviously, a lot of companies learn from it because if you look at the layoffs that have happened this year and the type of messaging that's gone out, there's the example of Shopify. There's Lattice recently that the CEO sent a well-written letter that really explained it, really felt from the heart. There's been great learnings. One last thing for you. I'm really curious to see, obviously, you see multiple levels of the world of work from layoffs to hiring. Any predictions for the world of work in 2023? What do you think we're going to be talking about the most? Well, I think a lot of it is going to be about improving the offboarding process, as well as the alumni network. Mm. It's going to be more and more important from a recruiting perspective, as well as how you treat people as the exit. One of the things that we found is that a lot of these employees that have been impacted are top sought after talent, right? Because they work for these dot-coms, these great tech companies. And ultimately, those organizations may want to hire them back in the future. And so I think there is a large focus on the alumni network is building relationships with those who have left and targeting those to ultimately recruit back in. And I'm curious, if I may ask, if you all have seen from a recruiting standpoint, targeting those (laughs) that were formerly with companies. I mean, I can speak firsthand knowledge, certainly in our part of Canada, as recruiters actually turn our talents the other way, where we start to market some of the people who have been let go 
to other organizations because there's so much stigma around you were part of those layoffs because as you mentioned earlier, there's always this belief that we're going to cut the low performers first, which is probably true. However, I have seen TA teams absolutely flip the script, build lists, provide them out to industry, to my peers, and being able to market this talent. Because a lot of those people that are part of this restructure, whatever we want to call it, they have transferable skills. That has absolutely been a source of how talent moves around to different organizations, something we've done for years. Alumni networks are very fascinating to me because I've seen one company in my career be able to execute on an alumni program that people actually want to be part of. Because this goes to exactly how good was the offboarding? Because if they had a negative experience, there's no way that they want anything to do with the company moving forward. So it does definitely hinder in future recruitment. What exactly does alumni program that works? look like. And I think it has so much to do with the brand and how those employees were treated while they were there. Some companies, you just work there for a job, right? You get paid, you don't have that passion. And we're seeing that with more and more companies, how employees feel about companies has changed very dramatically from 20 years ago, even five years ago. The perfect example of it is even internal employees sharing, say, jobs on their social media network. They don't do that anymore. Five years ago, they used to put the job at their company on Facebook. They used to put it on Twitter. Employees are becoming more and more disconnected with their employers. If there's any companies out there that does a really good job at alumni programs, I would love to hear it because I've only seen it once. So to answer your question, it's not being done. It's not being done right. I'm not seeing any examples of really good alumni programs that people actually give a shit. There's a difference of having one And having one that actually works, works, right? Yeah. And I haven't seen many that works. I'm dying to know which one is the one. You wouldn't even know. It's a local. Small company, like 250 people. And people that were there 10 years ago are meeting with people that were there a year ago. There's all these different events. And I'm like, really? It was fascinating for me to see that. Mm-hmm. Sarah, this was amazing. Really good insights. It's not a yeah. topic that a lot of us like talking about, right? Like no one likes to talk oh. about anyone losing their job. So thank you for helping give us a little bit of clarity of what the options are there for companies. Because to your point, the compliance part of it is a major headache for most companies and they don't even know where to start. If anyone yeah. wants to get a hold of you or look further into the services of Onwards HR, what's the best way of doing it? The best way to contact us is through our website, onwards with an S, hr.com, or you could reach me at my email address, sarah at onwardshr.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So we'd love to hear from you all. And thank you so much, Serge and Shelly, for having me here today. It was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome 
the roadblocks to do so.